Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. This episode features James Seymour Locke, the co-founder of Simple as Milk, an award-nominated user experience agency working with startups since 2010. Hey, James, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. So we always like to uh, start things off by learning a little bit more about uh, you. You know, Where are you from? What did you study? And how did your passion for entrepreneurship really develop? Okay, so I'm originally from a small town called Eastbourne in England. Um, I think it's got the highest volume of over 60s per square foot anywhere in the world. <laughs> so there's that. Um, and I've lived there most or had lived there most of my life in terms of studying. Um, I studied a generalized course in IT and program at college, um, but shortly dropped out during my first year. I uh, decided to have another go a year later and dropped out again. So I had two goes at the course and didn't have much luck with that, um, mostly because I, kind of, I don't learn very well in a controlled environment and following a curriculum, I like to break things and do my own, kind of do my own thing, do my own path for sure. and learn things I'm interested in. So in terms of my passion for entrepreneurialism, um, I think it like stems back to one of my earliest memories when I was a lot younger, and I really wanted this kick-ass action man, um, and my parents wouldn't buy it for me, and saving pocket money was going to take months and months and months, and resulting in me going about sweets, and that wasn't an option. So I decided to start growing tomato plants in the greenhouse, and it's amazing how parents will give you money for tomato seeds, grow bags, and pots and stuff like that, but not a gun building action <laughs> to drive around <laughs> in a tank on your bedroom floor. So I was maybe six, seven at the time, and I set a small table outside the front of the house selling the plants, and who doesn't want to help an innocent child selling homegrown products on the side of a road? For sure. So that got earned me enough money to buy my action man, um, a true entrepreneur would have used that money to reinvest and grow the business, but I really wanted that action man. It wasn't till much later in life that when I fell in love with the web, I took a deeper interest and kind of it stems from the love of kind of the things that I want to do and growing your own business and um, kind of the level of control you get and the accomplishments you get when you build something yourself up from the ground and you get a good sense of pride from the accomplishments in that. Absolutely. So... In early 2014, you actually sold everything and, and left to start traveling the world. Why did you decide to do that at that point? Um, mostly because I was already traveling fairly regularly, um, both for work and pleasure. And the previous two years or so, I'd spent at least three months outside of the UK. Um, so it became clear that travel was something that I really enjoyed. But I think ultimately it came down to cost, traveling, accommodation, flights, all that kind of stuff whilst having an apartment and office all with bills 
Um, it wasn't a very cost-effective way to live and travel at the same time. So me and my business partner had discussed quite a lot about traveling full-time, mostly kind of offhand comments about getting rid of the office, taking the company on the road, some jokes, just saying, oh, we'll just get up and leave. It'd be quite fun. But it wasn't until I was in Dublin in November 2013 for web summit conference mm-hmm. um, I got a text from David which pretty much said sell everything can travel full-time question mark and 45 days later we're on a plane to Copenhagen having hastily sold everything that's crazy well we'll get into wow. a little bit more about about the company and your co-founder and stuff like that but I'm, I'm really curious about people who manage to you know kind of run a business while traveling so how do you actually manage to to get some work done while you travel what are some of the tools and, and things you use um, well, at the beginning, it was very difficult. There's so many new, interesting things around, and you want to get out and explore, um, go out, take pictures, go do some activities, stuff like that. That the first month or so was over Christmas, luckily, so it was less work and more fun. But then you have to kind of get down to the work. You're quite distracted. There's lots of things you want to go off and do. Um, but then I started to realize that you can be really, really productive when you know that as soon as you get your work done, you can head out, hit the slope, snowboarding, go to the beach. Um, and it's a really great incentive that makes you push the most out of your time. Mm-hmm. But with lots of different countries have different issues. Um, like in Stockholm now, it gets dark before 3 p.m., light at 7 a.m. You don't get many hours to enjoy the sunlight. And I think that really impacts my productivity at the moment here, just because my body feels like as soon as it gets dark, it's time to stop working and... You know, I've only just got to the coffee shop and settled down and stuff to do some work at that time. And on the other kind of end of the spectrum, in Egypt, it gets so hot around lunchtime, it's hard to maintain focus. So having the flexibility of switching your working hours to mornings, early evenings, just to suit the location has been a bit of a challenge as well. Yeah, that's pretty intense. So earlier you mentioned that, you know, you don't... uh you don't like you don't like uh, traditional learning environments. You like to kind of go out and break things. So, how did you get your start with with coding and design? How did you teach yourself to do that, or or pick up enough of it through the program to really be able to launch the type of business that you're running? Um, well, I started programming and playing around back in school and at college when I was dropping out in between separate uh, educational courses. Mm-hmm. But I've been designing and building personal products since early two thousand and. Yeah, early 2000s, I suppose, um, before moving into the world of freelance and clients. Uh, I just spent a lot of time learning resources, breaking things. Um, I think the best way to learn is by doing. So if, you've, if you can get some client work on initially when you're learning, that really helps push you to solve problems and not give up on projects. You have to finish them. You have to push them through when you're doing stuff for clients. So yeah, I think that's the best way I've learned is just by doing practicing and breaking things yeah absolutely completely uh, agree what 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 did you start with was it more on the design and then you became more a developer or did you you know start with something like ruby on rails um it's always been f- um front end and design um i don't design anymore but now i focus mostly on front end um wireframing conversions and product development because mostly because the industry is so fast moving you can't do everything even if you wanted to mm-hmm. um there's new stuff coming out all the time um one of the things that people ask me quite a lot is that I'm a front-end developer that doesn't write JavaScript, um, which is people's, it's a big pitfall, I suppose, for being a front-end developer, but 
we have a really good team. We have JavaScript developers. And I'm also doing things like trying to run the business, trying to organize the accounts, also working with product development, client management. Um, you can't do everything. So I think having a small team that everyone can lean on and use each other's skills really aids that. So, so you're the co-founder of Simple as Milk. Uh, so what is it and why did you decide to start it? Okay, so I didn't actually start Simple as Milk. Um, okay. Back in 2010, Simple as Milk was in its infancy. It was a design studio called Milk Design. Mm-hmm. Um, David ran that and I was working as a freelance web designer. Um, and I was contracted to build the new Simple as Milk websites when they transitioned from Milk Design to Simple as Milk. And when that launched, the volume of web-related inquiries exceeded that of the print inquiries. So it was that point that I joined Simple as Milk, taking on the increased demand of web work. Um, And from there in 2012, we rebranded and to focus 100% on the web, we grew the team and then I co-founded the all-new Simple as Milk Limited when we turned into a company. Well, that's amazing. So, so what has been some of the biggest challenges of running this kind of business and what are the biggest advantages? I think the main challenges are the business aspects. We're a team of designers and developers and that's our core passion and our skills are lie in that and that's what we love to do. Um, so we never really set out to be business people, business minded um, and there's just been so much to learn as you go and you have to accept that a large portion of your time won't be doing what you love, designing and developing. So I think, again, the biggest advantage is that our company is our family and some of our greatest friends. So yeah, we're a huge family of friends and kind of the relationships we have with our team are that of family, really. Um, and our clients have all grown into amazing friendships. So I think that's one of the biggest advantages of our business. We love our team, we love everyone in it, and all our skills complement each other. So we have all our uh, roles overlap. So we all have an understanding of everyone else's abilities and the work that everyone undertakes. So the designers can code, um, developers can do bits of design or work on things like that. So all our skills overlap. So it's just an understanding of what everyone can work on and how we all fit together as a team. And I think that works really well. I suppose we're also never bored because <laughs> yeah. working with startups is never boring, but working with several startups is even like, it's really exciting. You're working on a, a bunch of projects, different variety and projects and challenges, and that really keeps us on our toes and constantly learning and pushing ourselves to improve. So speaking of startups, you guys have actually worked with some pretty cool companies, for example, on Rollme, Ghost, Assistly, and, and, and many more. How did you how do you guys land these types of projects and how do you get your first customers? Um, I'm probably going to jump in and say luck to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, Assisly was our first major startup client and we got them completely by luck as a client. Um, we really liked their product. We were using it and playing with it and we tweeted them to let them know. And their CEO, Alex Bard, happened to be managing the Twitter account during the time we tweeted. And he got in touch that day. Uh, we jumped on Skype, had a chat, and everything fell in place from there. Wow, that's amazing. A simple tweet. <laughs> yeah, and kind of similar lines for Unroll Me and Jojo, the co-founder. We met up with him in New York, uh, hang out at their offices for a coffee and a chat. 
and that turned into a two-year relationship that's still going. So yeah, quite a lot of luck really and just being active and wanting to meet new people. Um, I guess Ghost was a different story because me and David have both been friends with John since we saw him spoke at a WordPress conference probably back in 2011, 2012, maybe even earlier. Mm-hmm. And we happened to be in Egypt with him while he was bouncing around ideas for what to do next, which later turned into Ghost. So we're more than happy to help lend a hand on his awesome product. Yeah, it's amazing to see how far they've gone, eh? Yeah, they're doing brilliantly. Yeah, the acquisition of Rune this past week was really cool. Definitely. There was, a, I guess the Rune would have kind of closed down or not continued to go in the direction it was in due to the founders not having enough time to work on it. So it's amazing that Ghost can take that and the client and their users and continue providing a great blogging platform for them. Exactly. Um, so I think the majority of our customers have just come from building friendships, being active in the startup community, the web community, and making friends. I think all of our clients are through the power of referrals. So we're not really business people. We're just passionate about what we do, and we're happy to help others and contribute. And I think that's a really important factor, just stepping back from the work mindset, just focusing on help and sharing your passion. So what did you, get, what did you do before um, Simple's Milk? Um, before Simplest Milk, I was freelance, um, a mix of unemployed and college bum, um, <laughs> a mix of hacking code, working on small projects, developing skills. Um, I hope to turn into something functional for the future. Uh, I worked in Brighton for a short stint at a security services company um, where I built and maintained a app for security guards and bouncers to maintain and submit instant reports, which was probably the most boring thing I've ever done, but it was work and I did learn a fair bit about programming and bits and pieces there. So how many people um, are you now at Simple's Milk and, and how many countries are the employees in? Um, so we're a team of five. Um, four of us are full-time and one uh, we use when we need the additional work. Scott, he works full-time for Packed Coffee. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, so we just have... Um, the core four members and Scott when we need additional work. And Kevin moved to Valencia um, mid-2012, one of the spurring moments for us to take the company on the road as there was only me, David, and Glenn working from the office. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's yeah, essentially just five of us working um, on projects. I mean, besides Kevin being there and, and Scott having us full-time, did, did the other three or four of you travel all together or are you all in different spots? Um, Glenn got married last year, so he's staying put. He's in um, Brighton, or in, e- in Eastbourne at the moment, um, with his wife. Kevin's in Valencia. David's currently in Vancouver, I believe, and I'm in Stockholm. There you go. Cool. So I know you've personally traveled to more than 14 countries. How has that experience really impacted your perspective uh, on design? Um, I've learned a lot about new cultures, um, exploring, meeting amazing people. And just the ability to take inspiration from new surroundings, um, taking yourself out of comfort zones and just trying to push yourself as a person and to learn more and just to get out, really. Um, I think since I own so little stuff now and travel with a single carry-on backpack, that's helped me remove clutter from my life. 
which is a practice I'm trying to carry across to our work with wireframing and product development and just trying to simplify everything even more and focus on what really matters. Awesome. Um, so you're also a pretty avid photographer and, and blog pretty frequently on the subject. Um, so how do you take good pictures? How have you learned to take good pictures? 80% of photography for me is composure, getting the right perspective, angles, just moving around, trying to find better locations. Um, and as of anything, practice, just get out there and take pictures, keep taking pictures, reviewing them, learning from them, getting feedback, and just keep reiterating and taking more pictures, really. Um, I tend to use photography as a great way to get out from behind a screen, meet new people, subjects, other photographers. And I found it's really surprising, the kind of overlap between people that work in web and their love for photography. There's so many people that are into both. Mm -hmm. And that's formed some great relationships, meeting some awesome people. So with all the travel you've done, you must have some, you know, what have been the top places you've visited or the most mind-blowing? Um, and then have there been any crazy stories along the way that, that you'd like to share with us? Oh, crazy stories. Um, there's been a lot of epic fails. <laughs> um, probably the, the biggest one was our first country, Copenhagen. Uh, my birthday is two days before Christmas. So me and David, we set out, rode our bicycles into town um, to go and party get drunk, have a good time. Um, it turned out to be a ghost town because in many countries in Europe, Christmas is on the 24th, not the 25th, something we didn't know. So it was actually Christmas Eve and the mm. entire city was shut down, meaning we had to cycle back, couldn't yeah. buy any food, any drink. And we sat watching TV for my birthday. And then Christmas Eve, we couldn't go and get any food for Christmas Day because all the shops were closed. So we didn't have a particularly good Christmas. Oh, man, that's terrible. <laughs> that was pretty terrible. Um, some of the best places. Um, I love Stockholm. The city's beautiful, really clean. Everything is ridiculously efficient. Um, and not since I left to travel, but when I was traveling last year, I was in Boracay, a small island in the Philippines, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, I think it has one of the top five beaches in the world, but it took something like 48 hours to get there from San Francisco. Wow. wow. Yeah, that was tiring. So with all your traveling, and you mentioned a bit earlier, you like to pack light. So what are the, some, some of the essentials that you, you like to bring with you? And are there any apps or devices that you like to use while traveling? I think my MacBook Air, my 11-inch MacBook Air is my baby. Um, by far my favorite device. It's tiny. Um, you can take it anywhere. You can sit on the floor under a tree. You can work on it. It's so light and I don't think I could go back to anything bigger now. Um, other than that, I don't really carry much. My camera, my lenses, um, a small selection of clothes which fit into a tiny bag, maybe 30 centimeters by 10 centimeters. And it's absolutely tiny and just crams in a small selection of clothes. Apart from that, my iPad and my iPhone and my Mofi juice pack, which I don't think I could live without because if I run out of battery, I'm probably the most incompetent traveler in the world. Um, Google Maps is my savior. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Apps-wise, I don't really use much. Um, VSCO for taking pictures on the iPhone is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, apart from that, Google Maps is probably my favorite app. Otherwise, I'd be <laughs> lost by now. Where do you plan to go next? Um, so I'm staying in Stockholm till early or late January. I think I'm going to be helping out in Berlin mid January for a 
user experience conference. So What's I'm going to stay local for that. And What's the conference called? Progress Bar. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that's going to be good. They're doing one in Stockholm, one in London, and one in Berlin. And cool. from my travels, Berlin has one of the best places for burgers in the world. So that's why I want to go there. Any plan on coming to Canada anytime soon? Actually, yes. David's in Vancouver at the moment, but we'll be heading to Toronto in a couple of days. So in the new year, late January, I'm going to fly over Toronto for a few months so we can catch up because we've been traveling separately for the past three or four months now. Um, put some time into going over the business, the projects, some of our internal projects we're working on and kind of get the roadmap and plan out for 2015. Well, you'll have to uh, send me an email when you go there because I'm actually moving to Toronto from Ottawa and uh, the, the agency that I work for is going to be having um, a UX conference. Oh, awesome. Called, That'd be great. Just called Design Make Change. And we just got a new studio. So if you need a place to kind of work at for a bit, just let me know. Um, yeah, brilliant. That'd be perfect. Yeah, I'm also doing uh, the UX happy hour. I don't know if you guys do it in Stockholm, but uh, it's becoming this new thing um, where uh, yeah, a bunch of UX people just come together and have drinks. So we're also launching that in Toronto in January. So if you're there during that time, you'll definitely have to come out. Yeah, definitely. We've, we've just started doing a, a similar thing because we're in a new country. Every, we were in a new country every month. So we wanted to run a small meetup in each country we go to, bring some um, some swag from some startups that we work with or we love, they sent us some stickers, some t-shirts, etc. Just turn up to a venue, get some beers, some pizza, have a chat and just kind of give something back to each country we go to because we go there and we work and we do our bits and pieces and explore. But it's a lot harder to meet many people at once. You have various kind of meetings for coffee and hanging out with people, but if we can get everyone into a room and do something for them, I think that'd be a nice way of giving back to the countries or cities we visit. Mm -hmm. So that's um, our plan for 2015 as well. That's really cool. Awesome. Well, it sounds super exciting. Uh, we really appreciate your time today, James, uh, for speaking with us. No worries. Thank you very much. It's been fun. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening and see you next time.